<laughs> so today we're going to read from John and we're up to John chapter 18. John chapter 18 and we're going to do two parts of John. It's about Peter and we're starting from um, verse 15 to 18 and then we're going to skip from uh, to 25 and read to 27. So let's begin John chapter 18. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants of, and, and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them warming himself. Down to verse 25. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, you are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock began to grow. It's the reading for today. Thank you, Marie. Thank you for that wonderful reading. Um, the, the sermon this morning, uh, I have I've called it, I'm not ashamed. Um, is when we read verses like we have here in the Gospel of John, it probably should make each of us ponder in our own hearts, really our preparedness, even our willingness to actually proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Saviour. But in all these, let us pray, let us gain a true understanding of what this passage means and what the situation with Peter uh, hard reflects on actually the humanity of us. Let us uh, pray together. Our Lord and Father, it is with great difficulty we read such passages and find indeed how difficult it is for us as humans, as sinful beings, uh, to uphold the love and the care that we have for you, the understanding we have of who you are in our lives. But we pray, Lord, that today this this passage that we read will open our eyes to who you are, but more importantly also that who we are when we stand before your throne of grace. May you bless us with good comprehension, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, see, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, his uh, son in, 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 in the faith. Uh, in 2 Timothy 1.8, he wrote, so do, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, 
or about me as prisoner, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. When we read verses like that uh, in this letter, we know that he wrote, Paul wrote this letter to a fellow servant in Christ. Uh, and it should also make it abundantly clear, of course, that each and every one of us, that God had wanted Paul to write this letter so that every brother and sister in Christ ever called by him could also read this, ponder that truth in our hearts, and indeed ponder what we do in reflection of that. In verse 15 today, we have Simon, Peter, and another disciple were following Jesus because this other disciple was known to the high priests. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the girl on duty there and brought Peter in. We know, of course, we know that this other disciple was, in fact, John, the writer of this very gospel, uh, which obviously is also why he's not using his own name. But as the story goes, so far, so good. Here are at least two of the disciples with enough concern and love for Christ that they did not flee in fear. Even if Peter had followed this procession after the arrest at quite a distance, we call it a safe distance. Let me just touch on what the psalm for a minute, verse 1 said, Blessed is a man who does not walk in the council or sits in the seat of mockers. See, when you and I read warnings like that, which is given to us in those psalms, do we actually take them seriously? Are we careful that we also are not caught up in the wrong company, in the wrong, in the wrong uh, influence? When we consider some of the godliest men in the Bible, such men as Moses, we have the King David, and then now we have here Peter, which is uh, going to be the leader of the disciples in Jerusalem. Well, Moses had his problem, and he wasn't even permitted to come into the promised land. And of course, David certainly had his share of problems, as we know, and serious consequences from those problems. And now here we are with Peter. Early in this gospel, we read about some of his recurring problems. He even at one point wanted to rebuke Jesus, of all things. Moses was a courageous, but a spontaneous man, and he suffered for it. David, certainly a strong-willed and courageous man, who also suffered for maybe his strong-willedness. And now Peter, courageous, yes, certainly he is, but he's also impetuous and caring. And he too is going to suffer for this. So what is these things that so go so wrong for these once godly men? Well, see, the first problem, well, we can all agree that Peter was confident. In fact, I think we can even say he was overconfident. Jesus had warned all his disciples that they would be placed in jeopardy, and Peter had proudly stated that he would never fall away. In Mark 14, 31, he even said as much. He said, 
Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Strong words. And now here we are in verse 17. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Well, that's one. And when I say that's one, I refer to what Jesus had already told him back in John 13, 38. Jesus told Peter, I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, the second problem we have here is Peter failed to pray. Not just once, but on several occasions. Back in garden earlier that evening, Jesus had asked them to stay awake while they were praying, but they'd fallen asleep. And when going into this lion's den, as it were, the house of the high priest, filled with people hating Jesus with all their hearts, there's no mention there either of him praying. He may have, but we don't think so. In fact, if you think more deeply on this, then the high priest's house and the courtyard is probably the very last place that Peter should have gone, considering the warning he had been given and his impetuousness that he has displayed. And if we read in the next few verses, in verse 18, it was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. In verse 25, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, are you not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. That's two. When noticing the words used by John, carefully chosen, given to him through the Spirit, he used words like Peter was standing with them, warming himself, and Peter stood warming himself. Whilst Jesus was suffering, Peter sought comfort for himself amongst the very people that were persecuting and mistreating the Lord and Savior. And the comfort there must have been great. Because in verse 26, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. That was number three. But let me take you also to Luke. In Luke chapter 22, verse 60, it tells us a bit about what happened at that moment in time. In verse 60, it says, Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord had spoken to him. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Well, before I, before I go into the third problem Peter had, let me remind ourselves of something that we have said before when we are reading in the Gospels and the Bible and other places. So when you read the Bible, it will teach you about Jesus Christ. 
and it will give you an insight into who God truly is. But it will also show you how much he was willing to suffer to save you from your sins. It is that knowledge that in turn, should I say should, sometimes we just seem to make and miss that connection. But reading the Bible should reveal you to who you are in light of Christ. It should open up the truth of how weak you and I truly are and how we can only be strong when we are in him. As we certainly are told by Jesus in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And see, when Jesus says nothing, he means nothing. And when you and I forget that, it is when we find ourselves in trouble. Think of the godly men we have always been speaking about this morning, Moses and David. And there are so many others, like maybe Solomon, just consider all the trouble they got into. So the question is, are you stronger in your relationship with God than any of those men? Are you more faithful than they were in their days? Are you honestly also willing and literally to lay down your life for Christ? Is that what you're willing to do? Or are you reminded of the fact that you are just like those men? You too are steeped in sin and you are indeed still a mere human being. As we continually say, we are saved, we are called by God, but not yet. We do still require the strength of God to see you through. Now to the third issue that Peter has. He had followed at a distance. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four, 54, we read just that. On one hand, we could say at least Peter was following Jesus, whereas the other disciples, other than, of course, John, they had scattered in fear of their lives. Peter had, however, stayed at a safe distance so as not to be too closely associated to Christ for fear. This is very close to what maybe our churches are today. Yes, we certainly are. We are calling ourselves followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we do this in the main at a safe distance in some cases. Some have even removed the church from the name of their churches so that we don't seem to be too fanatical just in case we would risk to lose touch with the world we live in. You know the sort of things we hear, the things people say. I'm a Christian, but I also support same-sex marriage. I am a Christian, but I do support transgenderism. I am a Christian, but I support abortion of babies, the unborn. And I am a Christian, but support euthanasia. And all of these things we say and hear them said because we say we are compassionate and non-judgmental. And then there's just a series of problems. When Jesus tells us to follow him, he means right behind him, not at a distance. We need to be close enough that you don't lose sight of him, lose sight of his teaching. The thing is, where are you up to today? 
Have you indeed, have you started to place yourself within this story of Peter's rejection of Jesus three times? Is, do we fit in there somewhere? I know I do. Sometimes we still do stray. We get a little bit too far behind. So then let us move on to maybe the fourth issue, the contrast that we must understand in terms of what is said in the Bible here, that there's a term with him or with them. Verse 18 told us Peter was also standing with them. But in verse 26 also, didn't I see you with him? All along for the past three years, Peter has indeed been with him, been with Jesus. But now he is with them, the enemies of Jesus, and seeking comfort in their company, within their group. See, the crossing of that separation line is so ever so thin. We could ask silly questions like, uh, how much time do you spend on the right side with him uh, as against on the wrong side with them? It is worth remembering maybe here that Peter had walked with Christ for three years, day and night. That's roughly, give and take, 25,000 hours of learning sitting at the feet of Jesus. So how many hours do you spend with Christ each and every week? Most of you would probably spend at least an hour each and every day reading his Bible, reading scriptures, or as we say, sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, learning. And it is also worth, worth noting that it isn't just reading the Bible. You take time out above that to pray and to study over each passage that we have read, that we truly come to an understanding of how that fits into our lives. In that case, let me give you this. You'd have to spend around 70 plus years to do that, to get to where Peter is this dreadful evening as he rejects Jesus Christ three times. Question is how? How strong do you and I feel right now? Let me quote from one theologian. If you are a true disciple of Christ, the difference will be seen in you so clearly that whether you want to or not, you will have been observed to have been with Jesus. If you come to fellowship with other Christians in a godly church, as you should, you will be noticed by many people as well. But with all this comes also an additional warning. See, if Peter can fail and fall, then every one of us can fail and fall, the strongest as well as the weakest. In fact, if you think about it, it may even be the strongest who are in the greatest danger, those that are so confident in their own strength and in their own knowledge of Christ. Think in terms of Moses, David, Solomon, and Peter. Why, why is that? Why is it that they are at such such fearful point in their lives where they are too strong in themselves. Well, as we think of ourselves as strong, we are also much more likely to rest in our own strength at all times and forgetting what Jesus has been telling us, that apart from him, 
you can do nothing. The one thing we can do to try to avoid a situation Peter finds himself in is to make a wholehearted commitment. Be close to Christ by reading his words and be sure to know that you, by reading Christ, you will get to know who you are in light of him. And if you think you can live in Christ with him, as well as living in the world with them, then our brother Spurgeon, back a couple of centuries ago, gave us a picture to ponder in our little minds. If you're about to catch a train, try keeping one leg on the ground outside and then one leg inside the train and then see what the ensuing result will be. We have in today's passage seen uh, that Peter, that uh, as he is at this point in time in history, but when we get to chapter 21, later on soon, as we preach through this book, then today's Peter certainly have a love of Christ. But in chapter one, we experience a whole different love of Christ in Peter and the difference in the work of the spirit within Christ, within Peter, reminding us how strong that is that apart from me, you can do nothing. With Christ, with the spirit living in him, he is indeed much stronger. As we read about this in Isaiah as well, at the time when Isaiah truly comes to term with his own sins and who he is, in verse 5, he says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined from a man of unclean lips, and I live among people in unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Messiah had been given a vision of the Lord Almighty and had surely taken notice and when asked the question by God, whom shall I send and who will go for us? He answered with a resounding, here am I, send me. And God has given him this task of telling the people of the judgment to come. Peter's task was to tell the people of the salvation to come through the Son. In chapter 21, Peter is no longer courageous, but he is obedient. It's now pure obedience that he works with, just as Jesus had been obedient to the Father with an unshakable trust in the Father's plan for him. The same plan that the Father has for you and I. My dear brothers and sisters, we don't want to be strong. We don't want you to be strong. We want you to be in him and to be obedient to his calling on you. We don't want you to have a foot in the world and one foot in heaven, because that is just impossible. We don't want you to be concerned with what the world thinks of you. Moses and David and Peter and you have all been called by the Father in the same way and for the same purpose, for the same reason. It is to tell the world of his greatness, is to tell the world about his mercy and his grace and his love that is poured out on all of us on the cross at the death of Jesus. The only question we have to answer individually when we stand before the throne of God is, are you up for it? I can only pray that May he be your strength and your guide all the days of your life. And may he indeed keep you wholly within himself.
until we all are called home. This is the word of God, and let us just dwell richly in our hearts. Amen.